Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And this one's going to be on cystic pancreatic neoplasms. I'm not going to be try to be all inclusive. Uh, this was a talk I gave, and I only had uh, I think 15 to 20 minutes to give this talk at the international consensus panel on pancreatic cancer. And I was going to focus on some of the cystic tumors. That was the uh, the job of the lecture, and I thought I'd share some of that with you today. Now, in terms of cystic pancreatic lesions, there is a well-defined classification, uh, which I will not go into. That was a part of a separate talk, but I can present this at a later date. We look at some of the imaging studies that are used for evaluation of cystic pancreatic tumors, typically CT, MR, and uh, endoscopic ultrasound are the classic things. And then we'll also talk about some of the management decisions. So let's focus on the role of imaging. The role of imaging, of course, is lesion detection and then once you detect a lesion, definition and characterization, and then associated findings, be it vascular, arterial or venous involvement, be it liver or biliary tree, uh, duct dilatation or liver mets, I guess, and then changes in the mesentery and omentum. Those would be all things that you might be thinking about. Now, in looking at the pancreas, and of course we've spoken about this in many things, technology is having a major impact. We have isotropic data sets routinely, we have visualization in 3D dimensions routinely, and of course with 64 slice scanners and to a lesser degree with 16 slice, the ability to get multi-phase acquisition without any great difficulty is no longer an issue. Now the first thing is in terms of pancreatic lesions and cystic lesions, how often do you see cystic pancreatic lesions? Well, there's an article uh, from Hopkins that basically shows in incidental findings, non-pancreatic patients, about a 3% incidence in patients over 40 or 50 years of age. So it's not uncommon. When you talk about cystic pancreatic lesions, we could talk about many things from true cysts, which are uncommon, to pancreatic pseudocysts, segregated pancreatitis typically, to cirrhosis adenoma, to mucinous type tumors, or any of the islet cell tumors, or an IPMN, an introductal papillary mucinous neoplasm. Now, IPMNs are the most common thing we tend to see these days. They're cystic lesions, well-defined water density. They're benign when they have no mural nodule. They often arise with communication to the pancreatic duct, typically a side branch IPMN, Again, it's often up to you to be able to show the duct. Side branch IPMs are important. They're benign lesions for the most part. Conservative follow-up is typically what's recommended through at least three centimeters. And a central IPM, of course, has more of an increased propensity for malignancy. And so those typically will be removed. Now, what about this case? Here's a cystic lesion pancreatic tail. You can see faint calcifications. And we'll look at it again in axial imaging. We'll take it from axial imaging into a 3D volume, and you very nicely can see in this case the cystic lesion in the pancreatic tail, and one could describe it a little bit as cystic and maybe somewhat solid, nicely shown there. And another set of images, faint calcification. So this was actually a benign cyst adenoma, but you could see the things we're looking at in a case like this. In terms of asymptomatic patient, most likely the patient is asymptomatic when we detect it. Obviously, the patient is symptomatic. They're not an asymptomatic patient, and uh, they would have a higher chance of malignancy. The pancreatic duct typically is under 6 millimeters. There's no solid component, such as a mural nodule. If there is a solid component, well, you're not going to be in the low-grade malignancy uh, category. You shouldn't have any adenopathy. You shouldn't have any bile duct dilatation. And again, you do not see a mural nodule. 
Well, a couple of articles. Here's an article by Lee. Radiographic features that correlated with the malignancy were presence of a solid component, main duct dilatation, that's main pancreatic duct, common duct dilatation, lymphadenopathy. 87% or 27 of 31 patients with malignant lesions had at least one malignant feature, or one radiologic feature that was concerning for malignancy. And of course, in cystic lesions, we often talk about 3CM or less. And once lesions get above 3CM, particularly when you think about an IPMN, most surgeons get very, very uh, edgy and will tend to remove those lesions. Another thing by Lee, based on a retrospective analysis, the multi-institutional review of resected data of small cystic pancreatic lesions from high-volume centers suggests that a group of patients with a low risk of malignancy can be identified and safely followed in accordance with current guidelines. And that's true. Incidental cystic lesions, patients 75, 70, 80 years of age, asymptomatic, no issues, just follow the patient. Doing something runs a higher risk. Now, I gave you this list of cystic lesions, and I'm not going to go through it again, but what I am going to go through is the criteria we look at. What's the lesion attenuation? How cystic or solid is it? There are septations, are there mural nodules? And if mural nodules are there, do the mural nodules enhance? What's the enhancement of the lesion? Does it have solid components? Does it only have cystic components? Does it have nodules that enhance? What exactly is going on? Now, in saying that, cystic lesions aren't always tumors. The most common cystic lesion probably is a pseudocyst, which can act somewhat aggressive because this pseudocyst in the tail of pancreas compresses the patient's splenic vein. Extensive collaterals are present, you can see here. Uh, there's dilated uh, veins which go to the esophagus and to the gastric fundus and to retroperitoneum. And you can see very nicely the extent of that uh, abnormal vascularity in this patient with multiple pseudocysts. You can see the stomach as well, which again, very nicely shown here. So you have to really understand the history. Another case. What about the case like this? You, you know, you looked at this example a moment ago. Think about pseudocyst. What about this one? Is this a pseudocyst? This thickening, the septations. What exactly is going on? Well, as you know, pseudocysts can have septations as well. You can have complicated pseudocysts. So septations alone do not make something into a pre-malignant state. Pseudocysts, uh, complicated pseudocysts especially. Again, it's important to recognize that clinical history is indeed very important. And here's just a little bit more views of that slight nodularity in the lesion and slight thickening. Now, we also talk about true pancreatic cysts or, or uh, congenital cysts, and uh, they're very common, typically associated with autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease or most commonly von Hippel-Lindau disease or cystic fibrosis where occasionally you can see single or multiple cysts that are present. So if we look at true pancreatic cysts, uh, what can be solitary? Well, true cysts or lymphoepithelial cysts. Um, when you think about true cysts, you think about syndromes such as von Hippel-Lindau, and that's something that's like the poster child for pancreatic lesions because it has so many different lesions present. You can have true cysts, like this one, well-defined, water density, not a problem, sharply demarcated, seen on multiple views. You can have this case where the patient has multiple lesions in the uh, pancreas, um, you can see the cysts vary from a centimeter to five centimeters. The patient uh, has a history of Anapolindale, 
Von Hoppel-Lindau patients get true cysts. They also get microcystic cyst adenomas. They also get renal cell carcinomas. They also get malignant transformation of some of the benign um, uh, lesions or relatively benign lesions. So you need to be very, very carefully in this scenario. So just a very nice example, large pseudocyst, dilated duct. This was a, a microcystic cyst adenoma. A microcystic cyst adenoma is often called serous cyst adenomas, a benign, more common in females who are older in the seventh decade. Von Hepa-Lindau is the most common presentation, and cysts under two centimeters may contain a central scar or a stellate scar. Microcystic adenomas typically are under 3 cm. They contain glycogen but not mucin. Now, in serous cyst adenomas, they're usually solitary except in syndromes where they're multiple. They can appear solid on occasion, but typically are uh, thought of as a cystic-type lesion. Um, cystic lesions with a collection of two to six cysts in the size of a few millimeters to two centimeters in size is a very good definition of a serous cyst adenoma. A central scar with or without calcification occurs in about one-third of patients. And again, that cystic lesion, we're in that differential diagnosis, IPMN, mucinous tumor cyst adenocarcinoma. So again, it's very, very um, tricky at times, but you need to follow certain rules. So serous cyst adenomas, article by Kim, smooth surface, no lobulations, thick enhancing wall, and peripheral calcifications are rare and are more common with the mucinous tumor, which is the benign entities. So another example, look at this lesion. There's no malignancy here. There's no nodular walls. Look at that cystic lesion stretching the patient's uh, uncinate process, stretching the patient's um, uh, vascular map. And again, well-defined cystic lesion, thin septations, lobulations. This is going to be a benign pancreatic tumor. And again, you can see it in another projection. Now, serous cyst adenomas often can calcify. It's a little tricky because they're not always as um, cystic as one might come to think they should be. You can see in this case the lesion is cystic, but essential calcification. It's like a stellate calcification. That's like a home run for a serous cyst adenoma. Here it is in 3D. You can see the stretching of the SMV. You can see the splaying of the hepatic artery. You can see another example here, cystic lesion in the head of the pancreas with septation, central calcification, again, a very much home run diagnosis. And here's a couple more pictures of that case. Here it is reconstructed in a coronal volume render display or in a 3D volume render display in this example. So very, very important opportunity for all of us to uh, make sure in terms of imaging and designing protocols, you do things correctly. Now, serous cyst adenomas, as I mentioned, can be large. This one's centrally uh, placed, calcifications, body and tail, but that punctate calcification in a cystic lesion makes it a serous cyst adenoma, makes it a benign lesion. You can see calcifications in mucinous tumors, though it's rare and they're spotty. You see calcifications um, in pancreatic oblastomas. You see calcifications in islet cell tumors more commonly, but in an in a cystic tumor, calcifications like this are going to be benign looking. You see the vessels are encased, but just a very nice example. Now, serous cyst adenomas can be difficult sometimes. They get very large. Here's a pancreatic duct dilated. We follow a downward mass head of pancreas. 
peripheral enhancement, the entire lesion is enhancing. This is a serous cystadenoma, although there is enhancement present. So it's important to recognize, and I'll show you a few more examples with different rendering techniques. Look how big um, the vessels are of the hepatic artery. Well, it's not a surprise the patient's going to have a vascular tumor, which you can see here. That was just a you know, nice example of a metastatic tumor. Another case, serous cystadenoma, tail of pancreas. Um, look at this lesion, septated, cystic, thin septations, big cysts. That's going to be a uh, serous cystadenoma. That's the definition. It's as if this tumor read the textbook the night before, but just very nice example. Again, don't confuse the stomach with part of that cystic lesion, but very, very nice septations are routinely defined in this example. There you see it there again. And here it is again. And I can show it to you in many different planes, many different perspectives, but very simple diagnosis, again, looking at it MIP versus volume rendering. What else? Well, we talk about uh, cystic lesions that are benign. You've got to talk about cystic lesions that are indeed malignant. So macrocystic, benign-like lesions, um, but the septae are typically poorly visualized. It can be difficult, just from imaging perspective, to separate the two. Some of the findings of their important the microcystic or the serous adenomas, which are the malignancies located in pancreatic head, um, more commonly than the tail, lobular, thin wall, absence of wall enhancement. And if you have all three findings, or all the findings you list here, 100% um, accuracy. Obviously, the um, success rate will drop down the less of the findings you do have. But again, these lesions are large, they're cystic, they're calcified, central calcification, tail of pancreas. You've got to think of the possibilities when you come across such a lesion. Now what about the mucinous type of tumor? Well, there, it goes by different names, cystadenocarcinoma, macrocystic adenoma, most common in women, fifth to sixth decade of life. Cysts are often irregular and usually greater than uh, two centimeters. A key thing with these lesions is they will contain mucin. Uh, the lesions can have peripheral calcification. Again, differential diagnosis, benign versus malignant cyst adenoma versus cyst adenocarcinoma, very difficult. Good example here, look at that cystic lesion in the pancreatic head, pancreatic neck region. This is a very important case to me because you look at this lesion, it's well-defined, it's cystic, you gotta think benign. I thought benign. This was removed because it was getting the 3CM level. This was a mucinous cyst adenocarcinoma. So again, it's a very, very tricky diagnosis at, at times. Here it is with a 3D MIP and volume rendering. Can indeed be very, very confusing. And can also be confused with a intraductal papillary neoplasm, which is something that indeed we see every day. So why don't I do this? I need some coffee. Let's stop here. We'll pick it up in five minutes. Thanks very much.